playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced weird stuff has happened in the past and here i am to tell you about it i guess yeah i will yeah absurd real history hello and welcome to absurd real history the podcast where i find weird stories and find interesting people to tell them to Today, I'm really excited to be joined by writer-performer Nell Mercier. So, hello. Hello, Nell. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. I'm really excited about this one, I think, just because I think I needed this for my soul to, to study, like, as an artist. We are talking about oh. modern art a bit. Oh, oh, great. What was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> I just like I want to understand it but um like I'm not judging it I just I get frustrated that I don't understand it <laughs> what, what, what about it frustrates you though um like if I walked you know my family some of my family are actually really into it and will walk into a museum and they'll just get what it's about and then I just make a really like lame joke about it just to deflect the fact that I haven't a clue you know, I I hate that. You know, I work in theater and there's often times where I bring friends to see a theater show just because, you know, I'm going to see a play, come come with me. And they're always like afterwards, I'm like, oh, what did you think? And it's this moment of, <laughs> I, I don't know that much about theater, so I don't know what to think. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't, there's no right or wrong. It's just, do you enjoy it or not? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I do not get it like and I know there's something to get like I know there's something to get but I'll just tell them that I got it because I feel but sometimes actually sometimes I do get it but I don't believe that I got it and then um I just don't say anything you know what I mean yeah I get you I get you I think theater is a bit bit easier than art though I mean there could be like a a cow in the middle of a field <laughs> I feel like you have not seen some of the weird theater shows that I have <laughs> yeah. I have seen some uh, very 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 weird weird stuff I've, I've okay. seen uh, yeah I've seen a woman get fingered on stage <gasps> I'd love just that i get that i get it straight away <laughs> it was a really good show um sorry who did she get it. fingered by just like it was a bit a bit of a bit of a plug it was like lucy mccormick triple threat it was kind of like or burlesque and it's something to do with the new testament as well i think she was pretending to be jesus these two gay men as angels and is is mad 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 time mad time i don't know what i do in that situation (laughs) whether i enjoy it or not i probably would anyway go on sorry (laughs) i love modern art i think uh there's a lot to be inspired by it and i think I just think it's cool. I like love going to modern art museums. I love it. I love it. What like what comes to mind when you think of modern art? <laughs> oh, that big spider outside the MoMA. I love that. <laughs> do you know that? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So they yeah. Do you know what that's about? I don't. I don't know what it's about, <laughs> no. It's just class. Um and then oh I love the I love the, see, I love them visually, all of this stuff. I love the pumpkin. I, I do love, like, vibrant, like, really bright colours, kind of a weird, like, stuff like pumpkins and spiders. I like that. <laughs> That's my de- definition of modern art. <laughs> um, so we, we're talking about, 
I guess one of the things that really defined modern art and what it would be going forward. Have you ever heard of Mar- Marcel Duchamp? You, you can say no. No. Because <laughs> when I was like talking about this, this is kind of one of those things where I, I was kind of like, okay, so we can either go two ways because it's a story that I think a lot of people know, but then a lot of people don't. And um, if you kind of ha- know anything about modern art or if you've studied it or it is kind of one of those stories of his art piece Fountain, which we're going to talk about a bit later. But first, just to explain to you Marcel Duchamp, because I love him and you'll hear why. He's considered like a, a pioneer of modern art, directly involved with various artistic movements he was born in france in 1887 all of his family were like very creative and artists he had six siblings three of them jacques villon uh, raymond duchamp villon and suzanne duchamp crotty the three of them also became uh, really well-known artists in their successful artists in their own right or i was gonna say maybe they became really known <laughs> douches Duchamp, douche. Oh, sorry. Easy. Edit that. Edit that out. No, it's it's gone. It's in. It's in. So he kind of he came from a, like a, a lineage of artists, I guess. And by his teens, he was already a highly skilled impressionist painter, better than yeah. Like, isn't that insane, though? Yeah. Imagine. Like, did you actually know anyone in school that like was like? I think people in like leaving search Irish were pretty like good at drawing portraits and stuff but no one was like unbelievable like drawing things from their mind or whatever I think I think by the end of this I think you're gonna really appreciate him I think you're gonna like him I could be wrong yeah I already love him I love him so he was a highly skilled impressionist painter by his teens by his 20s he was like I'm gonna do cubism now because like Picasso and like you know cubie cubie paintings But the European cubists didn't really like him or accept him because his cubist work was not, was too abstract even for them, too cubist for the cubists, which is weird. His his most famous painting like of this period was like Nude Descending a Staircase number two. And they hated this in Paris. Even the name like Nude Descending a Staircase number two. He kind of hated the art world and the kind of uppity nature of like why is it we decide this is good and there was kind of a sense of irony Mm. and comedy I think he was a very funny guy and that's in his paintings and in his work and I think the serious cubists didn't appreciate that but it was adored in New York (laughs) they absolutely loved his painting in New York but he stopped painting at age 25 what after all his work (laughs) yeah stop So I have a a quote, art or anti-art was the question I asked when I returned from Munich in 1912 and decided to abandon pure painting or painting for its own sake. I thought of introducing elements alien to painting as the only way out of pictorial and chromatic dead end. So he never stuck to one style for very long because he was afraid of it, of that being his thing and that limiting his creativity. And then at 25. Yeah. (laughs) just throughout his whole life I love about this period like kind of around World War One you had all these artistic movements that were just completely mad at the time just a bunch of weirdos banding together being inspired by all these things which I kind of want to bring back now Mm. (laughs) but he was throughout his lifetime associated on the peripheral of all these movements 
and would like go through phases of, you know, being highly involved in one or being highly involved in another. So like cubism, dadaism, surrealism, futurism, all these isms, but never really staying to one group. He was just kind of taking what he liked from all the aspects and like not settling because he didn't want to like settle with one group and kind of always on the, the fringes. And one thing I also loved about him is he kind of just every now and again would just go off and do his own thing, like study mathematics or physics or becoming a professional chess player. Like, <laughs> You like, what was I doing at 25? Drinking in fields still, I think. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what was I doing at 25? Just fucking drinking. You can do both. I mean... Do you still drink now? I do drink now, but like, I feel like before 24, 25 is when I was like, I should just do something else, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I should get a hobby. Mm. No, I'm just saying like, that is when I was like, okay, this is probably getting a bit boring. I'd like to do something creative, but he just did absolutely everything, it seems. Yeah. I just love that he just kind of went off and just, just was like, you know what? don't really like he just didn't like the art world that much and the snobbery of it so he would just like disappear and be like I'm gonna study alchemy for a while I'm gonna study chess he loved chess mm-hmm. he like was legitimately working as a professional chess player for a while Class. I don't want to talk too much about him because there's so much we could talk about him but I'm really talking about the fountain fountain mm-hmm. fountain but you know I feel like this this backstory is important uh, so a bunch of stuff happened he moved to New York to escape the world war the first one i would say that's very ominous in like time travel movies and it's like oh it's world war one why do you keep calling it that mm. <laughs> uh, he wasn't just like escaping duty he was exempt from being drafted because he had a heart murmur or something like that but when he yeah when he arrived in new york to like move there um he was treated like a celebrity because they loved his new descending staircase number two that didn't go down so well with the cubists in like because america didn't have a a strict history of art so they weren't as uh, snobby in a way okay so he was there he had a warm reception he was offered various artistic jobs from well-known galleries but he refused them all not wanting to be a full-time painter you know because then he would be part of the problem that he so openly mocked in a lot of his work yeah uh, so even though a lot of his works were highly sought after, he gave his artwork for free to his friends or sold them at intentionally low prices. And what was his like money job? Well, when he he made most of his money when he was in, no, when he was in there, like teaching French, like being a French tutor. That's how he kind of made his living. Okay, okay. And he had, um, you know, his his parents were wealthy enough that if he really needed money from his dad, he he could. But that's the trick, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> mommy and daddy. <laughs> I could be good at all of those things if I had mommy and daddy's money. He could have very easily been a millionaire, if that may, may not a millionaire, but he decided not okay, to. Okay, okay. Poet Walter Arzenberg, um, who was like very wealthy, um, became like a really good friend of him and like arranged a studio for him. And it would they, the two of them in the future would like track down a lot of Duchamp's work a lot of his work is now in the Philadelphia Museum of Art uh, which I went to Mm. and saw loads of his stuff and that's how I first heard about him because it was the centennial of the fountain fountain because that was in 1917 and that helped change the whole course of uh, art history for good wow 
Why? Why? I'm going to tell you why now, now. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so Duchamp helps establish the Society of Independent Artists in 1916. Uh, we had some other things going on here. <gasps> yeah, uh, yeah. But in America, they're, they're fine. 1916 was a good year. Right? <laughs> um, so, he, so he had like his avant-garde art crew, including his buddy, Arzenberg, the poet, in New York. And basically, they were going to host this large exhibition. The idea being that they wanted to separate themselves from like the snobby art world. So basically, any artists could present their work if they paid a fee and present and signed up and their art would be displayed as part of this exhibition as like an open thing. Marcel, in a way to kind of test them, he bought a standard porcelain urinal. Oh my gosh. And turned it on its side and signed it as our mutt. And then the year 1917. So it's just a urinal on its side and he called it Fountain. Basically by submitting it, he was forcing the board to say that this urinal could be art. And whether it was some like artistic genius Mm. or just a a hilarious prank, Mm -hmm. either way, I think it's great. And I love it. Exactly. And that's why (laughs) I like him now because I feel like that is modern art. (laughs) Someone's actually just playing a prank. First guy to do it. Yeah. Okay. At least at least recognition. He was kind of doing this before, but this yeah. But it was funny because he was on the board for it. So as he was on the board, he had he had his female friend Louise Norton do it under her name and submit the piece. Oh. Because he was on the board, so okay. he kind of couldn't really. And did he? Do you think he was a big trickster and he just wanted to find out was modern art rubbish? Do you know what I mean? Because if you put that in front of me and I wasn't confident in my what would you call it perception or a purchase or a point of view, I would just say that means people in the world are really thirsty. <laughs> something like that you know there's definitely an element of of humor I think but he was also like it was more challenging what art is more so than that and what you have to understand is you know this was in uh, this was over 100 years ago yeah okay you know Picasso was revolutionary for you know his work yeah modern art wasn't really a thing Mm -hmm. like like as we know it today so it was kind of revolution i think he was and he was a very skilled painter he could paint yeah he just was not interested in it he was more interested in art as an idea and what art means to the person and what happens in between what do you think that sink means to you or that toilet what 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 would you say if you saw that for the first time i did i did see it that's how i heard about the story i saw it in the philadelphia museum of art yeah or kind of one of them. We'll talk about that later. Did it speak to you? Well, see, the thing is, is the idea of it. So they had a, a plaque. Uh-huh. And I was like, read that. And I'm like, that's fucking genius. Because <laughs> it's not about, it's not about the thing. It's not about, it's about yeah. everything around it. Okay. So it's, it's about who decides what is and is it art? Is it just perception? If we decide something is art, how is our view yeah. changed yeah yeah exactly. um, and especially back then when everything and he was doing he calls them ready-mades and he was he did a couple beforehand so the fact being that like you have a board that are saying right we will take any piece of art by an artist and put it up in our exhibition mm-hmm. so he was more challenging them I mean, like 
okay, if you're going to do that, then will you accept this as art? Okay, yeah. You know, it, it's more the, the movement. It was just different. It wasn't following a, a thing. Um, yeah. The board refused to accept it, though. They were like, nope, not putting this in our ex- exhibition and hit it. And this sparked a huge debate. Duchamp was raging. Fountain was a test and they had failed it. He immediately resigned from the Society of Independent Artists that he had helped set up, (laughs) along with his buddy, Arzenberg. And a few days later, they released The Blind Man, which was like an avant-garde magazine journal thing that he did with a few of his friends, including Beatrice Wood, who acted as editor. I mentioned like Beatrice Wood and Louise Norton, mainly because they were women and women are also forgotten in all aspects of history, okay, but yeah. particularly okay. in like the modern art. And I just, I just say this because there, I did come across some theories online that Fountain was conceived by a female artist. However, I am saying this is not correct. And the reason I know, well, I'm like 99% sure that this isn't correct is there is no evidence that it would be correct. And the woman that they claim it to be, Baroness Elsa von Freytag Lauren Hoven. Fancy name. Yeah, very fancy. She would go on to be a prominent dataist artist in her own right in New York with her own crazy, amazing stuff. And I actually don't haven't looked that much into her, but like, I kind of want to now. Point being, if it was her, at some stage, she would have said it. Yeah. And especially when he was open about submitting it under someone else's name. But that is why I make a point of mentioning the women that were involved because, yeah. you know, Beatrice Wood also like helped a lot with this magazine and everything. Mm-hmm. But you know, Fountain was very much Duchamp. But anyway, that's just my little side rant there. (laughs) I think it was him because it was the urinal and that's what men use. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't think that's a very good point. I don't think a a woman would. I don't think like if women were trying to make a movement for their art, I don't think they'd use a man's urinal. That's a very good point. Yeah. (laughs) As much as I really want them, I'd love that they did some kind of art to help them yeah maybe if it was like a little moon cup yeah i don't know if they had moon cups in, in 1917 but i didn't know they'd have urinals that's mad i suppose they did didn't they yeah they would have i mean you gotta pee somewhere <laughs> there was some crazy cool like feminist stuff happening with the women of the futurist and the dadist movement but they're often kind of forgotten about outside of the scene just you know yeah sexism so yeah so they got their photographer buddy Alfred Stiglitz which was a successful like artist photographer and he took loads of lovely photos of the fountain they released it in the magazine and exposed the whole scandal as well as critiquing the society and explaining the core reasons it was rejected mainly being it was considered obscene because P is obscene you know yes of course and Mm -hmm. plagiarism because the artist didn't make the urinal, some plumber did. Oh. Which is actually a fair point. That's a good point. I think the plumber should have made it. Mm. Imagine if the plumber came and he was just raging. So Wood defended it in The Blind Man, declaring, because he still hadn't come forward that it was him at this point. So Mr. Mutt was still like a mystery. Whether Mr. Mutt, with his own hands, made the fountain or not, what has no importance. He chose it. He took an ordinary article of life, 
placed it so that its useful significance disappeared under the new title and point of view, created new thought for that object. So like this went viral mm-hmm. and every, and people were raging that the society didn't accept it. This is the thing with modern art, okay? And like with this and why I defend it, like a lot of people and a lot of people say, I could have done that, you know? Like you go, yeah. And I went to Emma years ago on a art school tour and they had a piece called the oak tree which I fucking loved and loads okay. of people hated it and I loved it and it was just a glass of water on a shelf <laughs> like I wouldn't put my nose up at it and I wouldn't be saying I could have done that I like okay I have said that <laughs> like but I just I think sometimes it challenges people or sometimes people get frustrated like me that they don't get it. Like, that's honestly where I'm coming from. It's not about... Like, <laughs> like I would be like, is the water accidentally there? Or are they trying to trick me? You're thinking, <laughs> you're thinking, you're thinking too... Well, the fact that you're thinking about it, you know, there isn't anything... I think Duchamp in particular, he doesn't want anyone to to get his art. That's not what it's about. It's about what people interpret from it. And like, the oak tree that I saw in Emma, beside it... There was like when it explained it and there was an interview that the artist had with like someone and they were like, what is it? And he's like, it's an oak tree. And they're like, no, it's it's just a glass of water on a shelf. And he's like, but it's an oak tree. I'm saying it's an oak tree. And it's about blending these mediums. And I guess as a theater creator, as a theater artist, I've always been really, really inspired by just the modern art ideas and the whole concept of, oh, anyone could do that. Anyone could take a urinal and put it on its side. But no one mm-hmm. did. You you could have done that, but you didn't. It's not the thing. It's not the piece that's yeah. meant to be great. I agree. It's the idea. It's the new thought. So that's what they're saying with this is it's it's not about the urinal. It's the idea that th- like this can be art and that this is art. It's just perception. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm educating you. Yeah. No, you are. You are. And I um, don't feel challenged anymore. I just need my own urinal idea. Mm. And then I could make millions. There you go. There you go. So Fountain is Duchamp's like most famous ready-made, but it wasn't his first. In 1913, his first one was Bicycle Wheel, which was simply an ordinary bike wheel on a stool. And he just he just enjoyed looking at it. So he made it into an art piece Mm. the original got thrown out because it was mistaken for rubbish because it was just an old bike wheel (laughs) (laughs) Uh, see i do yeah i'd be binning it (laughs) but duchamp he put together another bicycle wheel 40 years later and that is what you now see at moma in new york if you if you went there oh Can I put it up? Yeah, of course. Bicycle wheel. Bicycle wheel. Sorry, I'm after I'm after looking up, up the fountain as well. And I was just like, <laughs> it's cool. It's hilarious like though. It. But it's just it's yeah. It's art, but it's also a prank. And this is what I love about him is he has a wicked sense of humor. Yeah. And these like art people just didn't get it. And why shouldn't comedy be blended with art? That shouldn't make it any less serious art. I guess I feel like this because I feel like a lot of like that in comedy. And like theater, there is such a divide there. And it frustrates me because I'm just like, you could both benefit from the other (laughs) so much. 
I, I'm just laughing at the thought of somebody saying a joke in comedy in stand-up and then people being furious about it and then me saying, you just didn't think of it first, so that's why you're not laughing? <laughs> you're just jealous? Because it's so... Sorry, original. you're actually... Yeah, you're jealous <laughs> that I came up with something, loads of words that don't make sense together and you didn't come up with that, so... Sorry, I love this bicycle wheel now. I'm all it's about it. It's great, isn't it? It's, and he quote, this is a mm, quote from him. Very cool. I enjoyed looking at it, just as I enjoy looking at the flames dancing in a fireplace. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I actually would put it in my garden. Why don't you do that? Why don't you just get, get some cool stuff, slap it together? The thing is that his art is very accessible because I could just make that tomorrow and say <laughs> it's inspired by him. Yeah, and... Uh, you know what I mean? Another one of my... Another sculpture that I love is like a Salvador Dali sculpture. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a telephone, but the like top phone bit is just a lobster. <laughs> Oh, oh, I like that. Sorry. Yes, 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 yes. So yes. the the original fountain was also lost. However, Duchamp created 14 replicas in 1950. And these could be seen across various galleries. So that's there. I know there's one in the Philadelphia Art Museum. So the original is lost, but there are 14 ones out there, which you can see. I f- feel like it's pretty easy to make a replica of that yeah no I don't think it <laughs> but he did the signature oh, okay two performance artists Kai Yuan and Yan Yun peed on one of these oh, replicas legend in the gallery oh. as like a performance art as like an institutional critique there you go that it has become the very <laughs> thing the fountain like fountain has become the very thing that Duchamp was challenging by creating it they're wild bastards I know yeah yeah didn't yeah. really look too much into that, but I think it happened in like 2000, but there you go. And like, they could have said that and then the next day, like they could have just been drinking loads the night before and said, you know what, we'll just call it art and we won't have the fear about it anymore. You know what I mean? If they were really pissed and they went in and accidentally pissed on your man's toilet mm. and then they said the next day, let's just call it art. This is what pisses me off about a lot of artists across all fields is that the only way to fully appreciate it and understand it is to have a knowledge of that world. And I don't think that's correct. Mm-hmm. So what I appreciate about Duchamp is just like, just making his work fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to move beyond what he called retinal art, which is art made simply to please the eye and instead tried to focus on, on art that excites and pleases the mind or gray matter as mm. He would say, They'd, and he even quoted an interview saying, "Like I am not making art for the public of today. I'm making it for people in like 50 years, which is after I die, which is cool because that's like now, and now people really love and appreciate him." Yeah. And um, here's another quote from him mm. to just give you an idea of where where he's at. What art is in reality is the missing link, not the links which exists. It's not what you see that is art. Art is the gap. So art is what happens when you're looking at something. Oh. So the idea being you're in an art gallery with all these paintings, you see a urinal that's completely out of place. It's the urinal itself, from Duchamp's point of view, the urinal itself isn't the art, but it's what you're thinking when you're looking at that, perceiving it as art. Mm. Woke. I'm woke. I love I thought, it. Uh, you'll appreciate this, just to give you an idea. In 1919, this is another piece of another artwork that he created of a ready-made. He hated the Louvre and like those kind of fancy art galleries, especially coming from France with such a rich history. Mm-hmm. 
he defaced a postcard of Mona Lisa with a mustache and a goatee. Oh my God. Poor Mona. Yeah, and called the piece of art L-H-O-O-Q, which is apparently in French, a phonic play on words that roughly translates to she has a hot ass. (laughs) Okay, he's gas. See, that's what I'm saying. Now, I'm actually looking up the Mona Lisa thing. And I prefer to, and the Mona Lisa, sorry, it's so boring. <laughs> like, I love, no disrespect to the woman, I'm sorry. But like, what? It's just a woman. There's no, I prefer the toilet. I prefer to And that's toilet. what he was saying. He was like, everyone just likes the Mona Lisa because they were told to like it. Yeah, exactly. Got to match as well, doing this in like 1919. So a lot of people didn't like him in his world until like much after his time. It wasn't until like, he was really well respected in the art world. So like surrealists, yeah. statists, all these mad art people loved him. But the like art critics and like the snobby people, they didn't like his art at all. And it wasn't really until the 60s towards the end of his life when like Andy Warhol mm-hmm. and like pop art was kind of becoming a thing and surrealism was really becoming yeah. a thing that he was really appreciated. You know, like he was largely ignored. Fair play to him. Yeah, he was large. And that's what he wanted you know, as I said, he like would just go off and do his own thing for a while. He never wanted to be a, he never wanted to be a professional artist because then he felt he'd be trapped. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he died in 1968 and he had supposedly retired from art for the past 20 years, mainly doing his chess thing. <laughs> he loved chess. He considered chess art. There's loads of great quotes from him about chess. Let's see if I have one. Yeah, I am still a victim of chess. It has all the beauty of art and much more. Mm. It cannot be commercialized. Chess is much purer than art in its social position. Which, you know, I feel like really strikes differently now that um, The Queen's Gambit was out on Netflix. That was a real good show. Oh my God, Um, it was amazing, wasn't it? I just, I loved that show so much. It's very good. She's an amazing actress as well. She's great, yeah. So he had supposedly retired from the art wor- wor- world, but when he died, they discovered like this secret studio as well as this like massive sculpture, which I saw when I was in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And I wish I had appreciated it more now that I've like researched it more called Etant Donne, probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, but it's just basically this giant sculpture that requires you to like peer through peepholes in like a large wooden door and see through. And it's like this landscape with like a a naked woman on the ground sculpture. And it's behind like brick wall holes. This is my thing with art because my favorite type of theater is absurdist theater, Mm. not Beckett, which is shocking. I'm an Irish theater person and I don't like Beckett and I will, but I can defend it. I, I have a master's in theater. I will sit down and I will defend why. I love art and I love theater where I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, but I love it and I'm excited and this is cool. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these, because it's funny and it's fun, whereas a lot of the, and it's kind of playing on things, whereas a lot of these modern art or like some of these plays, it's like, I have no idea what's going on and I'm depressed. Yeah. I want to know, yeah. if I'm depressed, I want to know what's going on. Yes, exactly. That's a very good point, yeah. <laughs> and if it's absurd, I kind of only need the, like, littlest bit of what's going on. Do you know what I mean? There has to be the tiniest baseline. And If it's, it's funny, though. Yeah, if it's funny. Yeah. Oh, if and it's funny. Like, have you watched 
those lads what are their names um it's the netflix show at the moment and you never know what's going on oh auntie donna oh my god it's so good i only came auntie across donna. yeah yeah sorry i've only come across those lads i'm sure you don't have a clue what's going on it's so funny me too <laughs> and i i love it i love it that's like right up right up my alley so i've come up with a comparison and a theory i'm at the end now and i'm i didn't write this bit up because I'm, I'm spitballing Woo-hoo. and i am the first per well i believe i'm the first person to make this connection because I googled it, I searched it on Reddit. Um, it's quite a weird claim, but hear me out. Mm-hmm. What modern day artist do you think is most like Marcel Duchamp? Because oh, I have one, and it's weird, but I can defend it. And that okay. Um, just because I don't know much modern art, I'm going to say you. <laughs> me? Oh my god, I love that. Thank you. I am Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I actually don't know anyone. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it now. Go on, Bo Burnham. <gasps> Bo Sorry. Burnham. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant actual artists, but you're talking about comedians. That is an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um. Totally. Totally. Do you see where I'm coming with this? Yes. 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 Sorry. I thought you were talking about you know someone who paints and stuff like that, but he. Well, that's is... your. That's your brain. That's your brain. Being an artist is yeah. not painting. You know, I am an artist. Yeah, yeah. Just hitting things. You I'm are so, an artist and you're... I'm so happy we're talking about Bo, though, because I have... <laughs> no, I really... I actually need to talk about Bo all the time because I've fallen in love with him. <laughs> actually fallen in love with him. I've only come across him as well in the last lockdown. Last, whatever, last two years. And I was like who is this guy and I, I just and can you imagine I could not believe I couldn't believe because I watched eighth grade like four or five years ago I can't remember when it came out yeah and I just I just assumed it was written by a woman I just loved it so much and I just really so I good. did not even like research it and then I found out well it was him and I was like I think I'm in love with him <laughs> yeah I, I I am in love with him and it's actually ridiculous that we're we're not married no but I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out my theory real, real quick and then we, we're gonna you can we can gush about Bo sorry I just needed to talk about Bo <laughs> no I want you to gush about Bo but I want you to hear my my theory about why I think he is a modern day Marcel Duchamp I agree you don't even need to explain it it's agreed I I tell you I first heard of him because I was one of those weird kids that was, I was on YouTube the year YouTube released as a website. Oh, really? Okay, that's And cool. I remember my friend showing me his videos when he was like, he was like 16 and I, I would have been like, to him just, you know, being like, I'm a boyo. So let's just do a quick comparison of Marcel Duchamp and our, our good old beau. I wish we had another hour. Do two parties. <laughs> So yeah, the thing the thing with Bo as well is like I knew him from that, and then that was kind of it. And then recently, I I, I went on a on a Bo dive because like you are like eighth grade. And anyway, sorry, I'm spiraling. Let's just go, let me just explain <laughs> my theory really quickly, and then I want you to just talk about Bo as long as yeah. can. So Marcel Duchamp, actually an extremely talented painter. Mm-hmm. You know, at age fifteen, he was doing impressionist paintings that got him you know relatively amount of attention yeah what did Bo Burnham do the exact same thing Mm -hmm. he was a he if Bo wanted to he could have 100% 
just been a full-on successful musician yeah. or a full-on successful com- comedian the same way Duchamp could have. Duchamp was extremely funny, extremely, extremely funny in like The Fountain and in even his Cubist work in like kind of mocking it. So he did his descending thing in his like when he in his 20s, you know, criticizing it in a way that kind of excluded him a bit. Did you ever see that clip of Bo? And for anyone listening, it's one of the most weirdest dystopian things I've ever seen in my life. But do you know his song, Art is Dead? Yeah. Have you seen the clip of him playing it in the green room? No. Oh my God. So when he plays it on stage, no one laughs at all, but you can actually see his frustration. He's like singing this song to like the people that are part of the problem and they're just laughing Mm. louder. And he's just like, it's a joke that they're not getting because they're in the world. You know, that's the whole thing. And here's another thing. Duchamp gave away most of his work for free or sold it at a purposely low price. Bo Burnham released his two Netflix specials, What and Make Happy for free on YouTube as well as it being on Netflix, making sure it wasn't behind a paywall. So that was also pretty sound. Bo could have been a successful stand-up comedian, you know, with Make Happy and with what, all this stuff. But you know what he did? He just disappeared and went off and did his own thing. He wrote a book of poetry, mm. you know? What did Duchamp do? He went off and did his own thing and he he studied alchemy. He went, uh, Bo went off and just made a movie, wrote and directed a really, mm-hmm. really good movie. He became a really good chess yes. player. Yes. You know? And his work, like his comedy, he uses all elements in it. When you watch, I think what in particular, it's it's not stand-up. It is performance Mm -hmm. art. It is music. It is he's taking all these elements and re and but also mocking the world that he is also a part of. Yeah. That's exactly what Duchamp did. That is 100% mm-hmm. what he did. He took elements from sculpture. He took elements from all these different movements. Did his own weird thing. Criticized the world and didn't get sucked too into it. And would just go off and do his own thing. And yeah. here's the thing. Bo is only 30. I know. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> but Duchamp was the but Duchamp was the exact same, you know, thing. He he gave up in painting the same yeah. way Bo gave up on stand up. But you know, you know what else he's done? He's just and oh, here's another thing. So he had said that he had retired from art, Duchamp did, and then was secretly working for 20 years. Bo just announces on Twitter around to me last week that he's been filming another comedy special alone with no crew in his house the past mm. year. And that's releasing Love it. like next week. Yeah. Or is it already released? Yeah. It's released now if you're listening. So, yeah. so that is why I think that Bo Burnham is our 21st century equivalent of what Marcel Duchamp would be a hundred years later. And I, it just makes so much sense to me. And I, I'm the only, yeah. uh, this is, you're hearing it first, guys. This is the first time this theory, <laughs> and he would love it. Bo. If he, okay, Bo, we're here talking about you. If he could hear that, if he could hear that I am comparing him. Be our boyfriend. To Marcel Duchamp, <laughs> he would, he seems, what's mad though, is he's been with his, he's been with his partner now since like 2000. Who wrote Hustlers. Who wrote Hustlers. Who wrote Hustlers. Hilarious like, and great. I think it's mad is that like, when they started dating, he was only like 23. But you know him, he's a genius. So you're like, of course he's not going to want to date other 23-year-olds, you know? Yeah. Anyway, what do you think of my theory? Isn't that interesting? I actually agree with it a lot. And I think... I'm the first person to come up with this. 
I'm so proud of this. <laughs> yes, I, I, look, if I meet him, I'm going to tell him it's me because I want him to meet my boyfriend. Um, but I'll, look, I'll give it to you. I'll fight you for him, bitch. Like <laughs> uh, no, I actually just want him to be my friend. Me too. And so look, what was I going to say? If you ever hear him talking in, inter- in interviews, he did this interview with these, I don't know who they were, but like they were probably very famous um comedians themselves and you could just see how frustrated and give a fuck he was with them which was so kind of cool do you know what I mean like and I think he was only 20 at the time but he was that's the same thing what I was looking that's the same group he did art is dead for that's the same like it's that same thing it's those people and he like just hits the keyboard Uh, you have to see it yeah crazy continue okay I loved when he just said they were kind of talking about like with stand up, you know, you kind of work the crowd, you spend years doing your five minute Mm. set, you spend years doing this and that. And he just goes, I think they asked him some kind of question. He was like, look, if you get on stage, if it's funny, it's funny. And I was like, that is so funny. (laughs) I love you. Do you know what I mean? Like if 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 you're on stage and it's funny, it's funny. And I feel like that's what he's like, maybe... Also, he's just really, really intelligent. Also, I listened to an interview with him and he was uh, talking about, do you know the Kanye West song? Yeah. Yeah, so it's funny, like, everybody thinks that he, like, is very, very, he has bad anxiety and that that's why he doesn't do, like, performance anymore because he just had tunnel vision and he's going to, going kind of crazy with it but he said it was kind of just like your anxiety that you get going on a stage or whatever mm. but he said that it's so funny to think of everybody being like he's gonna kill himself <laughs> you know what I mean like he was just like I was just talking about my anxiety in the Kanye West style yeah because <laughs> that, that's one thing I love watching just I've just seen his career develop from just being this guy who put up funny videos online and just got famous for sheer talent yeah exactly and when I watched what, it wasn't perfect, but it was very clearly, you know, it was, you know, there's elements of it where I'm like, this is a 20 year old guy doing this, obviously. But yeah, I didn't really like Make Happy that much personally. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciated how he was trying to do something different. And I feel like it's similar to Duchamp of like, not wanting to give the audience what they expected. Yeah, by being yeah, as yeah. up with you know um, yeah, so I admire yeah. that and I but the ending the finale of what is so um, we think we know you but even I've watched it like 10 times just that yeah. bit because the way he performs it he's just taking mm. all these art forms it's performance art there's some there's like it's performance art it's theatrical it's artistic it's musical mm. it's comedy it's fun and it's just I feel like it's reinventing what stand-up can and should be. And... Totally. No, you're so right. I think with uh, the, when I watched uh, the ending of Watch, it was a real moment of like, you know when you're just so jealous of someone's performance and comedy that you just want to throw away your phone? <laughs> like I listen to it in amazement and I'm just like, I'll never be able to do this. <laughs> why, not? why not? But it's also just really like... I, I like cried watching it like because I've so watched it like good. so many times yeah and um that one and the left brain right brain one yes I loved that even just acting but look listen 
let's finish the podcast and then if you want we can keep talking about Bo but but for so so and I love your theory and I will send him an email like honestly and I was like I was like googling like Bo Burnham or Marcel Duchamp and also also a lot of the time Duchamp is considered anti-art by people Mm-hmm. Burn, Burnham Bo is considered anti-humor by a lot of oh, people so yeah. there's that element of it too no I see um, that where I think it is most apparent that his most Duchampian moment is that art is dead thing in the green room so look at that people at home it is crazy but okay. for now thank you so much Nell for coming on do you thank have anything you. you want to plug or where can people find you um I think people can find me on Instagram cheapers I can't even like articulate my long line it's original but there's like so many l's in it <laughs> um but yeah so find me if you see this uh, when it's tagged on instagram you can follow me and i also am part of sing along social so give them a follow they're amazing um we do hopefully when things open up we do sing parties for people that can't sing so it's not putting anybody on the spot it's just great fun clean fun choir parties with really cheesy pop music good clean fun (laughs) good clean fun yeah yeah hopefully it'll be back um i just think that's gas that it was literally just a urinal. So that's my my story, <laughs> my absurd. I hope you've learned something. I have always have been your host, Saoirse Shanae, which again, I forgot to say at the start, I'm pretty bad at introducing myself. Oh. I'm just so focused on the future. Um, but you can find my social handles in the description box, wherever, whatever app you're using. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast please tell your friends about it I'm kind of doing an underground word spreading and and I really just want to thank everyone that has been listening and telling people about it Um, so thank you and if you want to contact anything about the podcast you can email absurdrealhistory at gmail.com me and Nell are now going to talk about both some more (laughs) bye (laughs) thank you